Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Chris Reed. He's the CEO of Neo Metals, an Australian miner who have morphed into a project development company. They made a lot of money on their Mount Marion Lithium project, and they're now looking to deploy that cash and the same strategy on their three new projects, a lithium iron battery recycling business, a lithium refinery project, and a very large titanium vanadium project called Barambi. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Very well, mate. Yourself? Not too, not too bad. Um, you've been telling me you've just come back from a, a nice trip around the Mediterranean, so I'm extremely jealous. Well, you know, one of the counterpoints about working long and hard is uh, occasionally you have to uh, take the family away for a holiday. Quite right. Quite right. Good man. Okay. Well, look, why don't we kick off with a one minute summary for people new to this story and then we'll kind of get stuck into it. Yeah, sure. Look, Neo Metals is an Australian stock exchange listed project developer. Um, you know, we developed Mount Marion into the world's second largest hard rock lithium uh, operation with a couple of big strong partners. We managed to make uh, a lot of money, 200 million off of a $3 million investment. Um, you know, we're focused in terms of uh, developing minerals into advanced materials. And so, you know, all of our commodity focuses are really around the mega trend uh, that we have the most conviction in, which is uh, electric vehicles, electrification of transport and, uh, and stationary energy storage. Okay, thanks for that summary. Let, let's just sort of stay on the the beginnings of, of this story because I do want to get into the strategy, the go forward strategy here. But just tell me a little bit about Matt Marion because you know 200 million Aussie dollar return of 3 million investment, that's pretty spectacular yeah. in anyone's book. So how did that come about? Who's the team that actually helped you deliver that? Um, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So we uh, acquired Mount Marion in 2009. Uh, traditionally, we'd been gold miners, so we developed uh, both underground and open pit uh, gold operations. And so in terms of lithium, you know, we knew where things were going. It was the start of the first wave of lithium in 2009, 8, 9, 10. Um, and so we acquired the project. It was a, a project that Western Mining, who's a very famous West Australian company, before it was taken over by BHP. Uh, they had this deposit. It had gone to a prospector. We did a deal, got into it. Mm. But, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to mine, hard to process. Mm. And so we brought in Australia's largest contract processor of minerals, a multi-billion dollar company called Mineral Resources. And so we agreed to give them 30% of the project, but they had to build, own and operate the plant with no capital up front from us. Then the prices, we had a, a price crash. So this is actually the second trough of pricing that we've been yeah. in in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, what we did is got the project ready, did all the studies, all the drilling, made it bigger, got all the approvals. And when the price started to improve in end of 13, 14 and 15, uh, what we did is we managed to secure um, Ganfeng Lithium, which is China's biggest lithium producer, to come in uh, to do offtake for the entire production. And when you do it with big partners like that, we developed it at four times larger scale than we had contemplated, right. which was great. So we were selling down equity in different stages, retaining offtake, and then at the peak of the market, we got them to buy us out. 
Fantastic. So again, just help us understand. It's a long game. It's it, it's a long game, and you've got to understand, you know, cycles and where the where the value is created and where the costs come in and so forth. So you help me understand the thinking here, because I'm I'm fascinated by that. That was that was either a sort yeah. of brilliant timing or brilliant thinking or a combination of both. So you decided this is not something that you want to develop yourselves. You're but you're keener on bringing in strategic partners with know-how and cash to bring things yeah. with, but whilst retaining a position without, well, in your case, yeah. without necessarily committing any cash either. That's quite good. Yeah. So look, I mean, you know, one of our, my family's been involved in mining for four generations and, right. and we should have got better. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, we should go and do something else. Right. So, you know, we've, we've, we've been around a long time. We know a lot of projects. Yeah. You know, lithium as a commodity and the, the EV thematic resonated with us. There were mm. only a certain number of potential projects. We got that project. Um, so we're good at identifying, you know, we're patient. We'll acquire them counter-cyclically. We'll, we'll buy distressed assets, you know, if they're in the commodity that we want exposure to mm. uh, or just M&A. So, you know, we bought that well. Uh, we built the value with the drill bit. Now we had inherited a couple of pilot plants that Western Mining had done over a 40 year period. So, I mean, right. we were we were lucky in that respect, but we continued to invest in the down, in the, you know, in the down cycle uh, with a view to, to get out, to develop early, mm. get out ahead of the pack and then be able to, you know, sell out when it's in operation and making cash. Mm. That's when you're going to get your best valuation. So, you know, the, we have a common thread in how we attack these projects. Okay. So one, acquire them well. Two, use the ecosystem of people and contacts that we've got to bring the value. We'll take the risk with the drill bit, making it bigger. We'll take the risk in the test lab, developing process flow sheets that deliver the optimized outcome. Now, as, a, as small mining companies or medium-sized mining companies, you're often constricted by capital. So bringing in big multi-billion dollar project partners enables you to build them at the optimal scale that we couldn't achieve, you yeah. know, or bankers want it bigger when the mine shouldn't be that big or, you know, however, you can develop it at the optimal size with the optimal risk profile. And we take, we're the largest shareholders in the company, uh, the board and management. So, I mean, you know, we're super well aligned with everyone. And, you know, personally, I probably know a couple of hundred of the shareholders. Right. Um, and so it's it's in the value realization, bringing those partners, limiting the amount of capital that we put in, and accelerating the returns by selling down, uh, but keeping offtake. So at Mount Marion, we were able to sell out, but keep our equity share of offtake, yeah. which enables us to have a look at lithium hydroxide. Now, lithium chemical prices aren't great now. Um, but we could get into that a bit later. Yeah. They are building the lithium plants. There's 99 mega factories, and there's already 300 small factories in China. They're going to build it. Lithium prices in 23, 24, 25, I expect, will be very strong and may even surpass the highs of the last cycle. Well, you know, I guess there's a lot of views in the market about that in terms of because the usual thing happens with those sorts of cycles is that when the lithium prices go up, you get more lithium players in the market and. It gets very confusing for investors as to you know where where to put their money, but yeah, the EV revolution is yep. coming. No no argument about that. Can, can we come back to the people side of things here? Because again, I'm, I'm just I'm really fascinated because this is some of the smartest thinking I've seen 
for a while in terms of how you go about building a business coming from a mining background you got four generations of miners there but you've you're not necessarily mining per se you you you, you put together a team of people who look at how you structure the deal to get the maximum return because I, I i'm kind of i interview ceos and we we hear those you know value creation and shareholder value and all of these cliches but I'm sensing from what I've read and what, what you're telling me that you are genuinely focused on the money, which is what it's about, right? Sure. And look, generally as a mantra, you know, uh, we buy, you know, we, we acquire projects that have got a known resource, uh, plenty of scale to expand the resource, you know, good infrastructure, or, you know, there's, there's some total of all of those means that you can attract these partners. It's not easy to do it. Mm. Uh, and I think, look, you know, if you have a look at, you know, at the wider macro theory or the, the, what's happening in mining, you know, as a, as a percentage of asset allocated to mining, it's never been smaller. Mm. And that's because we haven't been great at capital allocation. You know, we've, we've, done, we've done stuff that shouldn't have been done, uh, d- developed projects to try to, you know, retain 100% and not dilute and all of this sort of stuff. And build mines that satisfy, you know, if it's gold, it's got to be a hundred thousand ounces, the mine, you know, probably some mines shouldn't do that. I mean, mm. we've found that out. So, um, you know, you, you, we've sort of turned the business model on its, on its head. We've got a lower risk, uh, appetite. So one, we've got to have super strong conviction in the commodities mm. for the long term. They just, we don't go into them just because, it's a hot commodity or something. We've held these things through one, two, and three cycles, you know, building the value. I mean, for us, um, our approach, you know, what's happened uh, as we've done that, it's enabled us to return $45 million back to the shareholders in the last four years, which, um, you know, which is yeah, that's good. We've got a massive balance sheet. You know, we've got more than $110 million in cash, uh, we've probably about 10 million bucks worth of investments, no debt and some fantastic projects. And you know, we've got every confidence in the commodities that we're in, in terms of investing through this down cycle. I mean, one, you've got the project, two is like you say, it's the people. So, yeah. you know, because we've been around a long time, I, mean, I don't think we've ever had in this business or the previous business, anyone that's ever left us because of money. I mean, we treat people properly. We go and procure the best people for the jobs yeah uh, and we expect them to work hard and, and you have to remunerate them for that so are you finding that the the types of people that you're hiring has changed as you've kind of evolved this philosophy from you know this mining heritage sure through, yeah, yeah. Right. so uh, not, not as much greenfields exploration it's sort of brownfields exploration mm. advance you know so you know we're fortunate that we've got three projects that are in uh you know the pilot feasibility demonstration all that so they're they're highly advanced um they've all got scale i mean in terms of the minerals that we're in we're not precious we're not Mm. in 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 sort of base we're looking to produce you know industrial uh minerals that can that are then turned into advanced materials and that's where we'd like to be to to make more margin yeah um but they're always priced value in use so you don't get the manipulators in there and we can genuinely sit down there and try to optimize these things, lower the cost, invest in some R&D. I'm interested in the kind of the, the people that you're working with or hiring 
to be able to say, tell you that's the right strategy or you know deliver that strategy for you you know that that conscious decision to kind of move the skill set as it were from as you say green fields to brown fields to you know processing that that yeah that's a seismic shift it's probably an evolution true true now just and, and so you when you were talking a minute ago with regards to you're sitting there you've got some great numbers right you've got a sitting with a bunch of cash in the in the bank you've got no debt this the sorts of returns you delivered on Mount Marion do you think that is giving you permission and, and having sort of sat through a few cycles with some of these assets whereas most companies shareholders would be running around screaming and saying you know what are you, what are you doing here you can't go through this many cycles do you think because of the success you've got permission to be a little bit more directional um, with shareholders and say look we know what we're doing here yeah, look, I think for the longer term shareholders, it's pleasing that we can deliver, you know, uh, dividends consecutively, mm. so they do get rewarded yeah. for holding and uh, and advancing these projects and taking them through to being near cash flow generation. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we have been able to expand the team and to push a number of these, and then, you know, once they're at a level where we're approaching the, the FIDs or the financing stages, mm. then we can have a look at, um, you know, do they, are they better uh, separated? Are they better to be spun out? You know, we've got, you know, a, a lot of options. And that's what having a lot of cash does, but certainly we've been able to uh, apply more resources, you know, human and financial, to, to pushing these projects along. Right. So, Chris, if you don't mind, can you just tell us a little bit about the um, Barambi project? Barambi, which is a massive deposit. It's got, you know, 280 million tonnes down to 90 metres vertical depth. Ma you know, I, I, I'm prevented from saying how much it's in there, but, you know, you, you, you're in the tens and tens of billions of dollars worth of in situ material. Right. You're right. quietly confident on that um, one. <laughs> Well, we've partnered with uh, IMUMR, who are a research institute directly owned by the Chinese government via the, Chi the China's Geological Survey. Right. And they're mandated with going out and getting globally significant resources. Barambi is the second highest grade hard rock titanium deposit in the world. You've got quite an interesting lithium refinery project where you've partnered with an Indian group. Can you give us a bit more detail on that? Yep. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we've got, we retained offtake from the mine. Yeah. And processing it into lithium chemicals. Yeah. That project has an NPV. Yeah. Right. So you want to be a first into India where the government's trying to foster the first 50 gigawatt hours of batteries. You know, they're incentivizing companies. And so we want to be the first mover into India. You've got one fifth of the world's population there that has no domestic lithium production. They've got lots of lithium phones. They're starting to have lots of EVs in the plan. So, you know, you have a partner and same with the, the battery recycling. Australia is yeah. too small. You know, our main targets are Europe, the US, ex-China. And so by necessity, we're going to have to have a big partner and we will achieve a, okay. a big, having a big partner. Well, let's, let's come on to that in a second because I want to finish off on that. I think there's a bit of t we should spend a bit of time on that one. But just on the lithium refinery, you've got this Indian partner. They're coming in. You're replicating the model, which is you're putting in very little cash up front. You've got a strategic partner with cash who are going to finance the bulk of this thing moving forward. I mean, what are the, what are the terms of that uh, agreement or 
heads of terms on that. So it's a it's a 50-50 joint venture and they've got to produce no less than 50% debt right. for okay. that. So, you know, from looking at, from building that as our own and, you know, funding on, on 100% equity basis, we're looking at 50% debt equity and then we're having 50-50. So, you know, we're quite happy to go in at a manageable level and then we can look to make the plant bigger to double the size. All we need to do is go and buy some more spodumene. And, you know, we were the second largest spodumene seller in the world. So, you know, we you know have a fair about idea it. where to go and buy it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that, that's quite, that's kind of interesting. And then you've got, you see, um, Barambi again, following a very similar model there. It's a slightly later, longer lead time on that because it's really early stage. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just, it's, it's such a massive resource. Yeah. Right. You know, 280 million tons, the biggest rate that we've looked at mining it is 3 million tons. Yeah. Right. We've spent $30 million on the project in acquisition and development costs over 15 years. Right. Like it is the world's second largest hard rock. If we had hydropower, it would already be in operation. So we've got to be a little bit smart with the flow sheet we use and you've also got to sell it. So, you know, who is my partner? Well, ultimately I've got to sell it and get paid. So I need a big partner who can take a big volume. Hmm. China is 50% of the world titanium market. Hmm. It's a sulfate pigment that they make mm. and they need to change their feedstocks. Barambi is perfectly suited. You know, we've done extensive due diligence at IMUMR. We've shipped over ore. We've shipped over concentrates. We've smelted it, salt roast leached it, leached it. And so we're running uh, a semi-pilot plant here in Australia. Uh, that'll be followed then by the Chinese, and we're preparing 10 tonnes of concentrate. The Chinese will then build a demonstration plant and run that. Then we will collectively fund the evaluation study. So what we're going to do is look at building a mine and a concentrator here, which is what we sort of can do. Yeah. Uh, and then shipping it up to China and then they do uh, turn it into titanium and vanadium chemicals, high purity. Um, they operate that end. We operate this end, 50-50 basis. And we each do what we do best. The good thing is, you know, once they build that plant, it only runs on our feed. So you've got some natural controls. I mean, we know how to write successful joint ventures. We've dealt successfully before with the Chinese. Um, so, you know, we do have some runs on the board there. See that, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, what interests me there is it's, you've spent 30 million on it, which is a lot of money yeah. in anyone's books, but you've done it over a long period of time. And it's kind Correct. of, I guess, with the amount of cash you've got sitting in the bank at the moment, you, 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 could, you could put a zero value on Barambi, really. You could let this run another couple of cycles onto this price discovery again. Or, as what I think you yeah. seem to be doing, is working out, how quickly to move forward with these various partners and getting them to stump up the and cash. And it's having a, yeah. And, and you've got to build that value up. So we've done that with the drill, yeah. uh, with the drill bit. So 280 million tons, you're not going to run out of ore in my lifetime or my son's lifetime. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a good start. We're going to produce the highest purity chemicals that we can, uh, you know, economically, um, and do that, part of it in China where it will be cheapest. So we'll have the highest values. And then we're going to split that, you know, by bringing it in with the Chinese. I mean, this deposit has 25 million tons of contained TI2. 
that trades at about 3,000 US a tonne. There's a million tonnes of V205, um, which is trading at about 18,000 uh, a tonne US. So you know, you've got to multiply those sort of figures out. This is massive in terms of, you know, scale of what's in the ground. Um, you know, I'd be thinking it's 10, 10 to 15 times the size of Mount Marion. So if we can grab 1% of that value, um, yeah. that's game changer. That's a game changer for sure, for sure. Okay, well, let, let's let's come back to the battery recycling project. Because yeah. I think that's the most advanced from what, from what I'm reading. So again, why don't you sort of summarize what you're trying to do there for people and we'll kind of get into the detail. Yeah, sure. I, I can go back to the genesis. And if we, if we have a look at the portfolio, you've got smaller projects, high uh, economic returns, smaller capex, all the way through to Barambi. So, you know, in terms of your capital investment, battery recycling, the least, highest profit. Then you've got the lithium refinery is the next most capital intense. Uh, and then you've got Barambi, which is obviously a, a it's, She's a big operation. Mm. So with the with the battery recycling, you know, we we started working in battery recycling in 2016. So we're acutely aware of what lithium and the lithium batteries what needed to happen. And then we became more aware of the challenges that cobalt and nickel are going to face. You know, we're looking at you know increasing the demand for these products over a 10 year period by a factor of about 10. So the lithium guys, we overproduced mm. and now the prices have gone down, but we just can't see because, you know, nickel is a different sort of beast uh, and cobalt, it's essentially a byproduct. So how do you multiply those, you know, the feed for those markets by mm. 10? So we couldn't see it. So recycling was a natural way to hedge. You know, we looked at, you know, if you get your, uh, your old iPhone, Mm. Um, the battery in that is about 20% by weight cobalt. So you've you got a ton uh, of batteries. You've got 200 kilos of cobalt. So you've got about six or 7,000 US dollars per ton. There's no ore body anywhere that I know that's got 6,000 bucks of in situ value per ton. Yeah. Right? And so we applied, we've developed that process. We're currently completing a pilot plant up at SGS in Canada. And uh, we'll look to put the results out um, later on this quarter. Uh, and, you know, we've got, you know, as you'd expect, you know, very keen interest from cell makers, car makers. We've been testing batteries for both in terms of the recycling. Uh, and we've been running the partner selection process in parallel. So, you know, essentially watch this space. Okay. So, so I mean, that's an, that's an sort of interesting area for me. So battery recycling You've got to get that feedstock. So you're having to talk to you know, automotive or wherever you get batteries from. You're, you're trying to work out where, where do you get lots and lots of tons of batteries to be able to recycle. So can, can we start with that yeah. aspect of it? You know, what, what, are the pro, what are the problems with that? And you know, how do you solve those? Sure. So if we have a look at uh, the gigafactories, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to produce... Um, we're going to produce by 2025, 20, 26, there'll be about 5 million tonnes of batteries going onto the market mm. annually. And at the current rate, we're probably about a million tonnes. So in five years, it's going to multiply by five times. So 
the general rate, if you're in the commissioning stages for these battery plants in making the batteries, mm. uh, your off-spec cathodes, your failed cells, your failed packs, it can be 8 to 10%. And, and in a lot of phases, okay. higher, right? So you're going to have half a million tonnes. In 2025, you're going to have half a million tonnes of batteries that are needing to recycle. Our plant looks to process about 18,000 tons of that um and then you know we've got very strong conviction because we can see the battery plants being built at the behest of the car makers uh and the car makers are retooling we can see you know v-dub spending 50 billion euros retooling their um car making uh, platform for ev so we've got no hesitation the volumes coming what we're even more convinced about is that these batteries wear out hmm. your iPhone a couple of years. Uh, the Tesla, they give you an eight year warranty. So whatever you sell in, the, whatever goes on in a year, 10% comes back, say within the next year. And then you've got a plan to get the 90% of those batteries. So for us, it's get back getting embedded in a supply chain. And you only got to build one of these because you know you're going to have to, on an exclusive basis for, for one of these guys, and you're going to have to multiply the size by a factor of nine within sort of six to seven years. So what do you do? Do you, do you say, I mean, quite clearly, you've got to get into bed with these guys because it's it's feedstock sure. for now. It's feedstock coming down the line, you know, so say, you know, five, eight years time. Uh, and then it, and, and it goes on and on because you can recover so much of, of the, the materials in there. Yeah. So those contracts and the terms of those contracts are critical because at some point, sure. do the car manufacturers go, Hey, there's a lot of value here. Do we do we change these terms? Do we start trying to grab more of the the margin here? I mean, how do you Look, manage that? Apart from the secure supply by recycling for their their supply chains, mm. legislation will mandate. So in in California, and even the EU battery directive. Uh, or the Dow Jones Sustainability Index that a lot of these guys are in, you have to recycle 85% of the cars. So while the EV fleet is small, you can use pyrometallurgy and smelt it and just recover the base metals. Right. But you're going to have to have a full end-to-end -end solution. But is it going to be cheaper for these car manufacturers to partner with people like you who can recycle and bring those commodities back into the... Sure. The, the current recyclers are charging fees to recycle. You know, right. Okay. Here, we've got a process, but we don't have an ore body, so to speak. So we have to do deals. Uh, and so we're quite comfortable. We produce high-purity sulfates that can go back into their chains. We don't produce, you know, mixed metal intermediates or anything like that, mm. you know, mixed metals, yeah. so to speak. So we can, we, we can make a high-purity product, uh, separating out the cobalt, uh, the nickel, lithium, um, and, right. and manganese. So, you know, that, that, that's essentially one what they want. And we can do it safely. We can do it in a hub and spoke approach where you can have little shredding plants in different parts on a continent feeding into one central processing hub. And so, you know, we're prepared to spend those economics. It's got fantastic economics. You know, I mean, you have a look at the, the IRR we published, it's 70 odd percent. If you have to do a deal and you need to share that, suck it up, share it. Yeah, so currently recyclers charge for taking goods off because the, the yep. companies are obliged to recycle. But you sort of see a path forward and you're conscious or cognizant of it now that companies 
will stop, they'll maybe do a revenue share in terms of being able to, you know, if you want a long-term partnership, that's the way to, to, to bind, so get these companies to um, partner with you over a longer period of time, share some of the yeah. upside. And so look, we, you know, you can see in some of the associations between the battery makers or the cathode makers and the car makers that they're yeah. all starting to investigate, can we develop our own process? That dawned on us in early 16, and we're almost three years later. We've actually got a pro. It's not an easy process. It's, you know, I mean, it's research and development. If you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't call it research and development. So, yeah, you know, we've had some good learning experiences. Yeah. Uh, some good, some not so good. Yeah. Uh, but now we're close to, to, to finishing the pilot plant, moving into the engineering studies, and obtaining a partner. You know, we're, we're going to make this a reality. So, I mean, I'm looking at some of the numbers in the presentation here. You're talking about 72% IRRs and you know, payback within two years, and it's very low capex to build these things out. Um, so, this spoken hub type approach, again, are you going to suck up the cost of all of the, the capex on these, or again, is that a, a partnership deal that you'd be looking for? Yeah, no. So, we would we'd be looking at doing this um, with a partner. Absolutely. Okay. So, again, just yeah. keeping that yeah. model going. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it, you want to be able to do something that you can finance and it's yeah. manageable bite size. Like I said, what you want to do is deploy the, the 18,000 ton or 50 ton per day plant mm. to process off spec out of a gigafactory, mm. right? One of the 99 gigafactories. Mm. Because then you know that in six or seven years, if you've got the contract structured, you're going to have to take the end of life, not the off spec in production, the end of life and scale that up by a factor of nine. And then the next year they produce. So, you know, you wind yourself in, you don't have to have, you're going to get more than one feed. And we want to build more than one plant. Yeah. You build one plant, you're going to have to build something nine times bigger. Yeah. Then you're going to have a look at a second client. I mean, we will go and do deals to deploy this. And the, I know you talk about, you know, flow sheets and plan sheets, but um, this is re relatively simple infrastructure you're talking about so is there any ip in this you know are there any barriers to other recyclers coming into this we've lodged an australian and a u and, and an eu provisional patent uh, we'll shortly lodge our uh in, you know international pct protection and that'll give us protection in you know the civilized world or you know what yeah. the, it'll cover the domains that we would choose to operate in right um, but we, with a partner, so we're not going to go and do it ourselves. You know, we're, we're good at developing, uh, seeing these opportunities, seizing them, developing them, building the value, but we'll bring in a big partner that can make this a reality. And how, how long do those contracts tend to be? If we're going to do it and share the economics, you know, with the cell maker or the car maker, um, they're going to be for at least the life of the plant. Right. Okay. That's interesting, interesting. Okay, well, um, thanks for that, Dave. That's the first run through, that's, that's interesting. Now, I've got, I've got to say, you're sitting on a bunch of cash. Your market cap is probably quite similar to that cash sum. So what's going on? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, with the current global macro, I think people are looking for excuses to sell stuff. I'm not sure that anyone's lining up to buy stuff. And then people say, well, you did a good job. You monetized that. I'm not sure when your next cash flow is, I'm not sure, you know, you're not going to go and buy something and do something silly. I think, you know, we've just got to consistently do what we we do and we apply that model equally. Uh, and so in any deal, you know, and the partnerships, 
you try to, you know, front end some money. Uh, certainly sitting on a lot of money enables us to do better deals yeah. to commercialize these because we can fund our equity component to put these into operation or we could spin it out and seed it with capital and return it to the shareholders. I mean, every shareholder owns an equal percentage in all of those projects. If I can spin them out and seed fund them themselves, I'm not diluting them. So, Some of the capital markets guys yeah. might not like to hear that, but you know that is the reality. I'm a, we are in no under no funding pressure um, to take these projects through to to FID, and I I'm pretty sure you know we can get the partners to develop these. We can get the off takers to have the optimal level of production, and if I've got a lot of money, I can get the optimal structure. Mm. At Mount Marion, you know we were too small. We couldn't get the optimal structure, but we made a massive amount, and you know we have we have moved into um, you know knocking on a uh, on a mid cap developer's uh, door. Yeah, so I, th- I mean for sure, I think that, you know cash gives you optionality, it gives you control, um, as you say, negotiating power when it comes to moving forward. But I, I'm interested in the fact that you you found a model which works, you proved it works, the returns were massive, and you're replicating that across different complex projects perhaps where others fear to tread but you you putting you put a team together who can break that down and work out how to commercialize it i mean genuinely commercialize it yeah. not not shareholder value cliches but um genuinely re- re- return of value so i'm interested in that and you seem to have because of the money you seem to have time to be able to put the best structure together. So I think that that's kind of fascinating. You know, one of the one of the deliberate strategies in terms of this model is it's lower risk than the general mining market. So our beta compared to our peers, we're probably on a beta of 0.5. So you'll underperform uh, on the way up. Um, and so you look to make most of your returns on alpha, i.e. selling out or bringing in partners and making these things a reality. And then on the way down that's happened in this cycle, so I had a board meeting today and just sort of commenting about appears and our relative performance. I'm saying, well, you know, since we've, since the market's rolled over in the last year, um, we're sitting at the 85, 85th percentile versus our peers. So when it's 0.5 and the market tanks, you don't go down as much. Yeah. So we rely on alpha. We try to create alpha for the shareholders uh, by building this value and making them a reality, a, a non-correlated. So, you know, if the market tanks tomorrow, right, God mm. forbid, I'm sitting on an EV of zero. I'm just sitting on cash, Yeah. right? I mean, I can't see a scenario there. Um, you know, we've got, we've got very limited downside. Yeah. Um, whereas if the market tanks tomorrow, you could wake up and you you know the miners will go down by more than whatever the Dow. And they, they're riskier yeah. than the Dow, so they should go down if they've got a beta of one and a half or two, they'll go down twice as fast. But I, what interests me is the fact you're comparing yourself to miners there, and you know in my mind, you're not really a miner. You're in the commodities. You're a project space. developer. There I mean, go. we've got natural resources. Yeah. But we're looking to eke more out of them. Yeah, go down you know, that value and, chain, as it were. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, if you if you weren't miners and processors of minerals, you wouldn't have had any, you know, all we're doing with the battery recycling is unscrambling the egg and yeah. recovering what went into it, which was high purity minerals. Yeah. 
you know, or high purity nickel chemicals, cobalt chemicals, lithium chemicals, and recovering those back. I mean, it's mining, but just in the urban sense. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, no, I, I, I get it. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. So let's just let's wrap it up here. So it's like, as a first pass sure. and first introduction to our subscribers, I think it's been fascinating um, because I think it's unique, and we've not heard a story like this before. So um, thank you for that. But can you just for maybe people new to the story and maybe thinking about coming in here and i appreciate you can't talk too much about some of the conversations that you're in with regards to the battery recycling but can you maybe give some give some maybe reasons why you think people should be looking at you now as an investment right you know the the old uh, the old elevator pitch i think near metals offers security uh and opportunity i mean security you're sitting down there with more than 110 million dollars of cash the EV zero. You've got a strong board and management team. We've got history in developing these projects, building value, realizing value, and returning it back to the shareholders because collectively we are the biggest group of shareholders. We're perfectly aligned. None of us have got an aversion to cash. We like making it, we like sharing it back. So the model, the company, the structure, if I did nothing today, it is secure. Okay. In terms of the opportunities for multiples of growth, you know, you have resources in the ground, you have offtakes uh, from, you know, world-class mine, world-class resources in the ground. You've got some technologies there or a technology, particularly with the battery recycle, uh, where we're ahead of the pack and we will deploy that with a partner. We've got a model that we will keep going through and applying it. It is a low-risk model. You know, you have a look at Buffett's rule number one, don't lose capital. Rule number two, so rule number one. So if you don't put a lot in, you can't lose a lot. Yeah, no, I, 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 I appreciate that. Like, um, Chris, thanks very much for that run through. Um, first time we've spoken, um, I saw you in London when you were here earlier in the year with a, in, in one of your road shows. I, I like the story then. Um, I'm interested to see how this develops. So please stay in touch. Let us know what's going on. And if the battery recycling project moves forward, give us a call. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Look, thanks for reaching out. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.